Welcome to Winning Uglier with Brad Gilbert. What up, Buck? Normally, I would be saying, what up, Buck? And we would be down under in Melbourne. But this year, a few weeks later, we've got some tennis in Melbourne via Bristol, Connecticut. And I look outside my window, and it looks beautiful, but you could see a little dark on the horizon. And they say coming later tonight. I saw on the weather this morning, never got this kind of weather report, certainly not in the Bay Area or in Malibu. Maybe starting around 9, 10 o'clock over the next maybe 10, 12 hours. We're going to get 18 to 24 inches of snow, and we already got a ton of snow on the ground. So should be an interesting fortnight in Bristol, Connecticut, and we're going to be on Australian time in Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah, what up, Dad? Uh, It's going to be, yeah, I mean, that's polar opposite situations in terms of, you know, normally being in Melbourne in January, and it's summer down there and now okay it's pushed back a few weeks and it's february but you you got your snowstorms over there uh i'm still in malibu going to be working it from home um so we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll make the best of it yeah working working some late nights uh 4 a.m kind of situation normally i take my coffee and i'll go out the door you know as soon as i wake up in melbourne to kind of see what the weather's like this morning just for a second i forgot and walked outside the door. I was like, oh, shit. It's like it was freezing out. So I have to do my walking like in the lobby. But listen, for me, doesn't matter if it's late night, early night, anytime, long as we got tennis. And it's amazing the lengths that Tennis Australia has had to get to to get to this point to where we're about to be at first ball. Yeah, one thing's for sure. If there if there's Grand Slam tennis on, no matter where you are, what time of day it is, you're going to be very fired up uh, and several espressos deep for sure. No doubt. Oh, there's there's no doubt. And then this this little turnaround is maybe the most crazy that I've seen because of we're going to finish a bunch of these tournaments one day. And then, boom, the Aussie Open starts the next day. Yeah, there's so much going on right now in this in this crammed-in little week with three WTA events, two ATP events, plus the ATP Cup. You know, it's just a, it's a lot to keep track of, like, right into this Aussie Open lead-up. The one thing that I'm convinced about, Buck, two things that you can control is your attitude and how well you compete. Sometimes you can't control how well your opponent plays. And 72 players had to be 14 days on a hard lockdown. The rest were a little more fortunate that got to get out for five hours a day. And then everybody on Thursday, 500 people that were in one hotel had to do 24 hours again. I know one thing. And this applies to juniors, club players. Sometimes we don't get any practice in before a match. And you can talk yourself into losing. Oh, my opponent's got to practice. They've got to do this, or I haven't got to do that. And if you, if you do that here in Australia, you'll lose before you hit the first ball. And two things that are really good for the players, this down under, 
is I every day now I check the 10 day forecast in Bristol and I check the 10 day forecast in Melbourne one day only in the 80s. And there's quite a few days. The high are in the mid 60s and it's going to be chilly in the night. And the court is playing, according to Darren Cahill, I spoke to yesterday, said this is the quickest that he's seen it. And even quicker than, not, tw- than 2017 when Fed won it, because that was an unusually it, quick year. Even quicker in 20, uh, than 2017, he says, much less sand. So it's a little more slippery. Yeah, I know, I know the players I, had, last year were upset about the balls getting too fluffed up because there was too much grit on the court. So they went the other way this year. They totally went the other way. And so sometimes when you're underdone, the worst court to be on is a really slow thick court that you have to you know so on a on a fast court like this not maybe having to worry as much about the hot conditions now you start thinking about strategizing opponent the things that you can control not worrying about what you can't control and some of the bad luck some of the players have had and you need to be smart too if you've played a lot of matches you know over you, you know, the last few days to get ready, you know, how am I going to do my best to, to figure out? It's two tournaments. First week, get through, get yourself ready to be in position for the second week. Yeah, I, well, I think that's pretty much always kind of the case with Grand Slams, but I think especially, especially with the Aussie Open this year with players, you know, getting the suboptimal you know, prep situation that they would have that they would like to, especially for the seventy-two players that had the hard lockdown. But even for all the ones that didn't, you know, it's just not get, being able to have their normal routines, not being able to, you know, train, you know, the way they want to. And and most of the top players, you know, aren't going to play any matches, you know, the week right before a major. And you know, and this time around, they were. So I think it's just a lot of, you know differences with with you know how they had to approach going into this one but like you said you know you you got to control what you can can control um and and make the best of it and more or less everyone's in the same boat i i and i do agree it's a it's a good point to think about that huge difference if they were just thrown out of the gates and it was you know north of 100 degrees in melbourne that would have been brutal but the fact the fact that it's a bit cooler does make a big difference and and hopefully will make a a big difference in, in quality of play and I think most importantly, that once everything is normal, okay, whatever, the first day that you are out of the quarantine or the you know, first day, you just get back to your normal routine. And it's whatever that happened before doesn't matter. It's the same. If you haven't practiced all week and now you've got a four or five match to play, the only thing that you can think about is what I'm going to do to prepare that day. Not the six days previous that I missed, you know, because I had to work, I had to do all these things. But you know what, though? If you start planning for today, not planning for what you missed or trying to all of a sudden, geez, I'm going to hit lo- way longer in the warm-up so I can get ready to do, all, do things differently, you, you'll, you'll mess yourself up. So it's all about getting to your routine and – you know, there's going to be some trickiness, but the one thing that I do know in a lot of sports, especially tennis, complaining brings you down. You know, thinking that these other players got 
more practice than me or they got matches or everything went that didn't go. What starts is your first match Monday or Tuesday and figure a way to get through and move on. Excuses make you tired and it's almost like gives you like you're trying to say that I'm not prepared. And so sometimes it's like you, you, you give an excuse. So it's like it's your way of like kind of like deflecting potentially losing. Yeah, there was a, a, a decent amount of complaining via social media when the players were in the midst of the 14 day lockdown. I think it's kind of human nature when you feel cooped up to want to wanna lash out a little bit when you have this outlet. But they, um, th- there was some, some harsh rebuking from the Australian public after they were getting a little bit sassy about the lockdown conditions because Melbourne actually ha- had one of the, the hardest lockdowns of any city on the planet in the middle of last year. You know, the Australians do not mess around with it. And, and I think, you know, from the average citizen standpoint, you know, down there, you know, they're like, you know, you're lucky to be able to, you know, come down there and play this event and two weeks in the big scheme of things, not not too big of a deal. So I agree. No excuses. Everyone should be, could, be happy with the opportunity. And I and I think that they are. From what I from what I'm reading, I think players have, you know, come around now and I think everyone's just very happy with the opportunity to be down there and playing. I mean, kudos to the Aussies to to what what they've gone through. I mean, I wish that maybe we would do more of uh, what they've done to eradicate and their tournament director and all the, you know, things that they've had to do to overcome, you know, to be ready. And speaking of excuses, remember we, my favorite at the French, finally a couple days before the tournament, Rafa says, I'm done complaining about the balls. I've said my piece about these balls and I'm going to just compete 100%. And as it turned out, he was fine. And speak of Rafa, he didn't play a match. He played one match in Adelaide and then didn't play any of his matches in the ATP Cup. And he's nursing this back history, a back issue. So it's a little bit of a mystery. And obviously, this is one tournament that he's had more kind of little ailments, but they normally creep up in the middle of the tournament. So this is kind of something I don't remember him you know, right before a tournament, all of a sudden, you know, mystery injury before the slam starts. Yeah, it's it's got me a little bit worried for sure. I like you you did one of your I think patented hybrid words. You you combined issue and mystery for history. I, I kind of yeah. like that one. Yeah, it's a bit like... of an history for Rafa. But uh yeah, I, I mean in general, I, I'm you know, I and I know the players aren't complaining, but I, I wanna do the worrying, you know, for them a little bit and because you know, because they are creatures of habit, and you you throw it a different loop, you know, in the mix, I, the the heightened, uh, you know, risk of injuries, you know, is definitely going to be something hanging over the tournament. I mean, Rafa, yeah, with with the back, Serena, maybe a little bit of a shoulder issue, uh, Azarenka, a little bit of a back issue, Djokovic had some blisters in Adelaide. That seems like it's calmed down though. But you know, I think it's. It's certainly something to keep an eye on. One one parallel I wanted to draw, which is maybe not a good parallel, but you saw like in the in the NFL, you know, when when players had to, you, you know, jump in there with no preseason games, you know, you saw a litany of injuries those first couple weeks. So hopefully, you know, we don't see 
you know, a, a big heightened amount of injuries, but I think it's, you know, certainly, you know, the players that are going to be able to stay healthy, you know, it's just going to make a massive difference. I'm going to just go knock on wood. The one thing you cannot do as an athlete, a tennis player, you can't play to protect an injury. You, you play and that's what you do. And if you, if you play, okay, I I don't want to go full out, you know, that's actually, you know, I, I actually never really understood my body the way you normally should. To me, if I was like 50%, I, I, I could go to the training room, I could take treatment, I could get taped. Heck, heck, I would even take an injection or anything. I just so I could play. So that's just kind of how I always was. I didn't realize that it's it's a good idea to maybe rest and peak and do all these things until I started coaching Andre when he all of a sudden we train, we peak, we rest. And then all of a sudden he he wouldn't play when he was like 80 percent. I'm thinking and I'm like, Andre, no, you're fine. You could play through this. And he said, no, you know what? If you try to play through when you're slightly injured is how you're really going to get injured compensation injury when you're slightly hurt on your ankle or knee that's how you really ding something up and i never really thought about it and he's so right it you know you're most vulnerable when you are slightly dinged up and you try and then that's how you can really do something and he was really smart i wish if i could replay i would listen to my body you know what i'm about 40 or 50 percent i shouldn't be playing this week i think that kind of knowledge is is what is leading to such greater longevity in players careers players being able to you know play well you know deep into their 30s even you got Karlovich playing you know still pretty well into his early 40s um and Andre obviously great longevity and so I think he was ahead of his time in that department it's it's interesting I just thought of thought of how it's like we still as you know we're working, but still as fans watching, it's so disappointing to see someone pull a ripcord, retire in a big match. But I, I get it. I mean, if you're thinking long view in your career, and, and, and that is when the bad injuries happen, when you're already a, a little bit compromised, it, it's most of the time, I'm sure it's the, it's the right thing to do. You, you know, Buck, I, I mean, I pride myself on I never pulled a ripcord once in I don't know, I played 820-something matches, but there, I'm sure there was probably numerous times that I had no business playing because maybe it set me back or, you know. But let's just hope that we have a very healthy Australian Open. Yes, I'm we've knocking got, on wood. Like, we've got some really interesting draws, some interesting storylines. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into the draws and the stories now. Enough of the uh, maybe gloomier side of our potential gloom i i got a great stat for you because you guys always come up with the good stats and everything like that i was just thinking on the women's side never seen anything like this three women come in to the aussie open 2021 having won their last slam match oh that's wild yeah sviatek Won the French. Osaka won the Open. Didn't play the French. 
and BB Andrescu finally right. back after 16 months won the Open 2019. I'm guessing there's never been a stat like that in a slam, men or women. What do you think? No, I doubt it. I mean, because this is these are such unusual times uh, with you know the, the 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 layoffs last year, especially with Andrescu's injury issues too. So it's it's great to have her back. Yeah, I think I saw. The, the top nine in the world in the women's field are all there, um, you know, which last year it was more more patchwork, you know, based on the majors, uh, who was playing and who wasn't. And uh, well, this should be, you know, it should be really, really interesting to see uh, who steps up in this one. You, you know what I'm a little bummed about because you, you guys aren't here yet and we Mickey Nation hasn't sent it. All I got M- is Mickey, the by the way, is our, is our head researcher, Mickey Singh. And I don't have a physical draw you know i i love to look at the actual physical draw you can print it out at the hotel doesn't the hotel have like a business center come on now um no i mean we're barely open or or get someone to do it for you i i gotta do that tonight because you know it's funny it's like when you look on the draw on the um on the ipad whatever you can't quite get the breakdown as the physical draw but the first thing that i did on the women's side the bottom half of the draw is loaded and i and i was like whoa it was nice it's nice to be up on the top half the draw and it's amazing how often you will see that that one side is much more difficult but heck it can be difficult on paper and then it can blow up but I, i i do think that my first thought is you know i say this all the time about the women's you know, sometimes I say there's 15 to 20 that can win it. I'll say this time there's 10 to 15 that can win it. But unquestionably, Osaka is the best hardcore player in the world right now in the women's. And she is the player to beat based upon her past results and what I saw her play a few matches in the lead up. This is where I wanted to get my one interesting nugget uh for the women's draw in and i and i would agree with you that on a hard court right now osaka does have to be the player to beat and she is the betting favorite oh but, she is okay and she is slightly she's she's seven to one actually barty and andrescu they're giving bb co number two even though she hasn't played in 16 months which is a, a lot of respect ahead of uh, serena who's uh, oh, 10 to uh, one you're kidding. Yeah, these were the Caesars, just the Caesars post-draw odds. Maybe it could do a little shifting in the next day. but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this before you give me a stat. Had Andrescu not gotten hurt, I would think by now she'd be number one in the world. She would have won a couple of more. But after 16 months no playing, I think it'll be a major And, and she was one of the players in the hard lockdown, too. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just say this. If she makes the second week... I think it'll be a, a major effort because I, I would probably say she probably won't make the second week, but heck, I, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say... Right, give me your stat. Okay, first for BB, I will say everything else, you know, I, the layoff, you know, is a lot, but that level that she played at the 2019 US Open is the best I've seen any woman play in at least, you know, three or four years since and this relates to the stat so osaka is the betting favorite the last betting favorite to actually win a major 
on, on the women's side, so the betting favorite going into the event to actually go on to win that major. It's been it's it. been a while. Do you, do you got it? It wasn't Serena like in the uh, Aussie Open in um, b- before before she went on That's maternity right. leave. Yeah, Serena twenty seventeen Aussie the last the last major yes. she's won and just before the maternity leave. So it's been it's been fourteen majors since the betting favorite going into it actually won it, uh, which is which is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe this the, is the I one where the Osaka open. ends that streak though. Yeah. Well, I had Osaka at the Open. I like the way she's playing. I know you playing. had her, but, but the odds makers didn't didn't quite have her. But I do think a couple things that I think will happen on the women's side. We will get an unseeded in the semis. It seems to be the last 10 to 12 majors. It happens every major. And hopefully we get one of the young players, you know, to, to make a deep run, you know, It'll be interesting to see what Coco Goff does. She didn't play that well in the lead-up, one lead-up yeah, tournament. She you could know. have a, a tricky match with Svitolina in the second round. Yep. So, and and obviously on the American side, we have so many. We had a Jen Brady make the semis the open. I'd like to see, you know, one of the Americans. We had a Collins, you know, make a breakthrough a couple of years ago, get to the semi. So definitely, I mean, I mean, when. When Kennan won the Aussie last year, it was a total breakthrough out of nowhere. Exactly. So I, I expect that we will have an American female make a breakthrough. So I don't know which one. Um, it, and it'll be interesting to see how Kennan does as the defending champion. It, she, it's almost like nobody's even talking about her. Yeah, under the radar. And she even kind of, although she struggled in between, then made the finals of the French. So, you know, I mean, she should be... Maybe, like, I don't know if she likes that she's not being talked about so much, but I think she should be coming in with a big chip on her shoulder for sure. Although this is, you know, her first real big title defense, which is a sort of a different animal. And what about the Barty party? She hadn't played a tournament yeah. in, what, 11 months and is in the final of her first tournament back? Yeah. And she's on the top half of the draw in a much more comfortable section. But Yeah, at least maybe uh, maybe slight advantage for her that she didn't have to do the 14-day quarantine you know, you know, because she's already in Australia, um, right, right beforehand. So, you know, at least she's, you know, very, very well acclimated compared to, you know, pretty much everyone else. I mean, I'll put her as a second favorite, but I actually think a quicker court, you know, somebody that's got some power, I, you know, Osaka wouldn't, wouldn't be till the final, but somebody, I think it's a lot easier to break down her backhand on a faster court than it is on a slower court. You know, her game is all about the slice, but I think if somebody's ripping the ball to her backhand on a faster court, that could be a problem. But I got her as the second favorite. Yeah, I mean, I do like her draw. I mean, it's like Schneek Pliskova in the quarters, uh, and then, you know, Kennan's the, 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 the highest seed on her half. But I do, you know, compared to that loaded women's bottom half of the draw – it was a good spot for Ash Barty, Ash Barty to land in, and I like, I like Jen Brady. I like how she plays. I like and the he- quick courts. I, I like the heavy, the, the heavy spin on the forehand. I, I think she trains hard. You know, might come come strong off an off season. So, you know, we'll see. But and, and uh, one okay. other, yeah, go ahead. To ke- to keep an eye on, definitely. I, I watched Serena play a couple of times in that lead up tournament, and. She looked really fit. She was playing well. Um, obviously, 
I, I, my guess is the shoulder was more about protection. She yeah. played a tough match against Collins, and all of a sudden it's like maybe not the smartest thing to do to play Saturday, Sunday, to potentially play Monday. So a little bit of common sense on their team to like, okay, we got a couple of matches. Let's make sure. And if she's playing the way that that I saw that she you know can play, I don't know. Maybe we could get like a Serena Osaka. I you know I don't you know potentially deep in the second week. And I'm not so sure that these really quick courts are good for Halep. But you know me, I always root for Halep because Killer's coaching her, and I'm I'm really fired up about the women's to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 going to be a, a really exciting event to see see how it turns out. And I think this is, yeah, the, I mean, just the fact that pretty much all the players are there for the first time in a long time, Andrescu included, will be will be really you know interesting to see how it plays out. On the men's right, side. Switch- Let's switch it over. Got I, I, go, go for I, I, it. You know, and on the draws and analyzing it, right? I would love to see Blackjack. I'd love to see Rafa break the record and win twenty one. But honestly, the second hardest thing in tennis, first beating Rafa in Paris, the second beating Joker down under. But for some reason, last year, I was thinking in the quarterfinals that if one of the big three did not win the 2020 Aussie Open, that they would only win one slam in 2020. And I said, if one of the big three wins the Aussie Open, they might win all four. And as it turned out, Joker won. You know, and then team did make the breakthrough at the Open. I kind of have the same feeling once again in 2021. If the big two don't win, I think it will dramatically change the year. So that's kind of why two guys that I got singled out to, I was thinking Medvedev and he's in the Rublev section. They could play each other in the quarters and they just, they played a, you know, at the quarters of the open and Sitsi pass. And I think the quicker courts will be really good for Sitsi pass. He looked good in the ATP cup. So I said, okay, everybody's going to take Joker or Rafa. So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to pick either Medvedev or Sitsipas. And so on my ESPN.com pick, I decided to go with Sitsipas. And that's a, that's a bold think, pick. That's that's a bold pick. And I kind of even get after the feeling, you you're not you're not like mentally scarred after watching him blow that match against Torch at the US Open with six match points. Uh, listen, he, he did play a lot better. Wrong. He did play a lot better in Paris. So I was most impressed by the the failure of that, that he was able, three weeks later, he's in the finals of Hamburg and semis of Paris. It was a, so it was a great Amazingly, he put a great bounce back. Um, and I do think that there is potential, you know, and obviously there's the mystery of Rafa's back. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that I would love to see, is somebody 21 and under make a deep run, you know, into the semis? You know, a couple of years ago, remember we had, you know, kind of a surprise semifinalist, two of them in one event. We had Chung and um, um, Edmund. Brit- 
Uh, yeah, Kyle Edmonds. I think I think by the way, neither of them are are, are either of them in the draw. Edmonds not. I don't think Chung no. is either. No. no. But I, so I would kind of like to see something like that. You know, sure. Just whoa, how, how did that happen? And one section that kind of got my eye on is Sinner versus Shapovalov. Sinner won two matches yesterday. Got to play the final today. And he's got to play Monday night against Shapovalov. And in the same third round section is FAA, who's looking in his seventh ATP final, looking for his first win today. So that's one section one guy yeah. is going to get out of. I think that's a fascinating section. Um, and I think Joker's going to like his draw a lot. I'm definitely rooting for FAA to break that final stuck. That's, that's not something you want to have creeping over your head you know, too long into your career, even though it's a young career so far that he's lost his first six finals. So I, I hope he can Not get over I, the hump for for the confidence. Because I, I do think his upside is still, even though he's had the sort of yips issues on his second serve, I do think his upside is huge. Uh, Buck, not only has he lost his six first six finals, it's how he's done it. 12 he sets to hasn't, nine. He hasn't won a set, yeah. And, and he's got it routed in him. And... You know, we saw him get routed by team at the Open. So I do think mm-hmm. it's important for him to win this match, you know, win it in straight sets, yeah. you know, and then come in, you know, to play it on Monday with confidence. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, something I'm looking for. With, there's How do you see that Chapo Center playing out? Because I think that's the popcorn first round that, that everyone's looking at the most. I'm going to just say physicalness. It's a big thing because of two matches yesterday, mm-hmm. one of them seven, six in the third today. How is that emotionally going to play out to where then he's got to turn around and play Monday night? So quick turnaround first center. He's got, yeah, more firepower, you know, probably off the forehand and backhand than Chapopala. But really? that's, that's a pretty big statement because Chapo has a lot of a lot of firepower, too. Yeah, but you know what? Dennis has got a one-shot more power. He, but consistently, this kid, Sinner, yeah. is hitting the ball big, and he's not missing. You know, he's not, like, erratic. It, it doesn't you feel know? like he's, like, overextending himself the way that Chapo sometimes does to really, like, throws his body into the ball, where, where Sinner, it feels much more like he doesn't have to go out of, you know, some crate, like his wheelhouse to hit the ball huge. He's got easy power, but he doesn't have the serve. Easy like Dennis power. will get serves, you know, a serve, and then the the big one-two on the forehand. Um, I think two things I'll come down to: how physically is Sinner, and how is he going to do on Dennis's serve? Because I think these really fast courts, I mean, Dennis's serve, you know, can be problematic, and. I'll put, you know, I think if the kid had three days rest, I, I, I say he wins that match because I just like the way Sinner's playing. But I think that given, you know, the last 24 hours, what Sinner's got to go through, Dennis got a few days off. I say advantage Dennis. Uh, but if Sinner can win that match, I'm just going to just raise my glass and just say great effort, buddy, because he's coming. He's going to be a top five player. But it just—I wish they didn't play each other first round. 
You know, one guy I've I've got my eye on too, and he's in uh, Pass's section. I think it's the the toughest fourth round draw, <clears throat> the toughest fourth round draw that uh anybody of the the top players has is is Berrettini, because he's rolling in the ATP Cup. He struggled last year because he was hurt at the start of the year. Never really like got his form all the way together, but you know. Based on what we saw, you know, of him playing at the U.S. Open in 2019, making the semis, one of the biggest forehands in the world for sure. Plus that ability on a faster court to change the pace, like he can play slice drop shot pretty well. I think he's very dangerous, very very dangerous. I mean, listen, big serve, big forehand. Only thing that I'm worried about Berrettini on a fast court is his ability to defend. And the return of serve. He's great when he's dictating and when he's, you know, doing a little slicing and dicing. But when somebody all of a sudden can take him wide, yeah. or let's say he was he was playing an Andre, ooh, he'd be feeling nothing uh, but I pain. Think we saw you saw a couple of years ago. Fed absolutely dismantled him at Wimbledon doing that. Yeah, smothered his backhand, and where you can really hurt Berrettini is being able to go up the line to his forehand to take him away from the backhand corner. Because let me tell you, if that guy's just standing in the backhand corner pounding foreheads, you got problems. But that's a match, Pass versus Berrettini, I would love to see. I got that circled on my imaginary draw for the round of 16. Yeah, and this is just going back to my me getting my head around your Pass pick, because to me, okay... I went out based, on a limb. I know I you went. I know you went out on a limb, but just based on what I've seen the last, you know, six months, or maybe even a little bit longer, I feel like, you know, and and not including Fed because of the injuries, I just I feel like it's it's Joker, Rafa, Team Medvedev, and then a pretty sizable drop off, uh, especially the way Medvedev's now been playing on this on this you know thirteen match. Medvedev's by the way on this thirteen match winning streak. He's beaten nine top ten players. It's it's which I've never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a run quite like that Absolutely. in terms of the quality of opponent. And of the players you named, one player. It's amazing that you've got to add him in there. Zverev. You know, no, he got to it's, the it's, semis. Sti- it's still a drop off. I know, after, but he after got Medvedev, to... to me, it's it's you got Tsitsipas, Zverev, and Rublev all doing their thing, playing quite well, but still I don't think it's quite the same echelon. I know, but he made the semis of the Aussie yeah. where he lost an unbelievable – and then he should have won the Open. He should have. And, and he then, didn't. Uh, amazing, amazingly, for such a young guy, he's already been through Ferrero, Lendl, and now I thought you know he was going to have a good partnership with Ferrer. Now he's done with Ferrer. Yeah, and I, that's I not, see not a I see sign. that his – and I see that his brother's now going to be helping yeah. out. But, but but Misha, yeah. I mean, which you have been saying all along, that Misha should be the one helping him out because really, really good, be uh, you know, even, even keel guy, and it could be maybe the best influence for him. So, yeah, no, I mean, Zverev certainly, no one questions that he's got the game to do it. Uh, and the polar opposite of the women's, I say 10-15 could win it even with how well Osaka's playing, and there can be a surprise. I mean... We're, we're stretching to say there could be six that could win it in the men's. And that's a big 
stretch from normally we're saying it could be three. So at least mm. we're going to like stretch it to six. Here's the question. What, there's 10 Americans in the draw. What are the chances that one of them make the second week? Because I saw a lot of them. Last year we had Remmer Tennis make the quarters as being ranked about 95 and had seven match points to make the semi. And he's made it. To, so what chances do you give American this year to make the second week? Uh, it might be a little bit tougher this year. Obviously, Sangren, even though that was the second time he made the quarters and freaking seven match points against Fed to have, you know, to make the semis, it was an incredible run. It's, it's looking a little bit tricky. Well, what I noticed right away is you got, I think what a, a bunch of Americans, I think there's 10 Americans total in the draw and a bunch are right in that top section, uh, with Tiafo, Djokovic. Tiafo, Fritz. And Opelka are in that little yeah. round of 32 yeah. with Joker. And, and even Cressy you know, you and have... Giron are in there too. Yeah. Yeah. In that section. So so I'm going to say if we get one American man in the round of 16, that'll be a good result. Yeah, the one guy I thought that's in a, a better spot in the draw, um, and he actually played well in Australia last year, is Tommy Paul. Um, you know, I still, you know, I get, I get worried about him on a consistency basis. But I, I, I actually I do like his game, um, and yeah he's he's in that uh, where, where is he at sorry he, yeah, he's in he's, the, he's he, in the, the RBA Rublev section but you know I think it's it's maybe a little bit more possible that he can get out of that than 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 like the Opelka Fritz right there with with Djokovic yeah because uh, Opelka and Fritz could play each other second round to play Joker yeah that's the top spot. could play yeah so. I'd say a round of 16 would be a, a good result. Um, and, you know, somebody that I, I, I'm really fascinated to, to watch him play. I'm, I'm disappointed I'm not there in Melbourne to see him play live because I, I do think he's coming. The easiest nickname of all time, Escape from Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a good one. <laughs> the kid, the, the, the kid is 17. I haven't heard you say that he yet. Beat, yeah. Yeah, he beats GoFan last week, you know, pretty routinely. Kind of got me thinking, remember, when Fed was 17. Uh, I mean, excuse me, when Rafa was 17, he beat Fed in Miami. Um, and he plays this Dutch guy who got to the quarters last week. He's like a four-namer. That should be a really interesting first-round match. Um, and I had never yeah, seen him play either. Carlos Alcaraz, by the way, for everyone, 17-year-old Spaniard, that's... Yeah, looking real, real good. Youngest guy in the draw by far. I think I saw there's only two teens in the draw, and it's Alcaraz, who's 17, and Sinner, who's 19. Okay. Yeah, I like Escape from Alcatraz better. Escape from Alcatraz. (laughs) No, that's a a quality nickname. I do like that one. I do have one bit of Djokovic information to share, too, uh, and that is that he's he's back as the top seed at uh, Australia this year. He wasn't like oh, he was, I last, last year. He was the two seed. Didn't really slow him down much. But I know this stat. I'm sure you know this stat. So so say it, please. No, you can say. Uh, so he, I believe that he's been the number one seed five times, and he's 35 and 0 as the number one that, seed. Is that, that, is, that that is pretty good, Rain Man. Yes, absolutely on the nose. Five times, 35 and 0. And I don't even have that in my notes or anything like that. It's amazing how like. You know, me being around you yeah. and you being around me, that we have like kind of like <laughs> looking at some similar stuff, but yeah. Um, 
Not that he's not, I, he's also pretty good at Australia when he's not the top seed. He still won it three other times when he's not the top seed. So, but just the fact that he's well, basically the, been invincible in in Australia coming in as the number one seed so far. Yeah, here's an on, here's an honest question. Do you think so? And I asked. Here's another question I asked Darren. I said, you know, like the courts are pretty quick in Indian Wells, especially when it's hot. But then at night, when it'll drop down in the fifties or sixties, yeah, the, the desert, it's a big swing. Yeah, the, the court can play a lot slower. He says that even at night in cooler conditions, the court is still playing quick. It's not like you know Palm Springs where it's really dropping off like that. Interesting. So. I actually think it's more difficult to play Djokovic on a faster court. Just his, his ability to be able to just play normal and defend, I think it makes him actually more difficult to play against on the faster surfaces. So that's why I think he is the second hardest beat in tennis on this court. And I think the quicker courts plays more into uh, his hands. That, that's a scary thought. Not like he needs any extra help in Australia, but I mean, I think it's it's fair to say it, it would be the you know second toughest ask in tennis to beat Novak in in Australia than to beat you know Rafa in the French. Maybe some Fed fans would have said, "What about Fed at Wimbledon back in the day?" You know, that was a tough ask too. But yeah, I think uh, there's that, no, or Pete Sampras, but sure, I, we're we're only speaking about right now. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that, yeah, I think I think that's a pretty well-rounded coverage of the draw. Oh, I, I did want to mention, too, um, in addition to the faster courts, uh, Hawkeye Live on all courts this year, which I, I'm pretty pumped to see. You know, obviously it was the crazy situation with, you know, Djokovic in the, in the lines uh, judge at, at the U.S. Open last year, and that was super unfortunate. Um, and, you know... For, Jason, for, Good, yeah, go 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 ahead. Jason Goodall brought up a good question yesterday. What happens? You know, like sometimes at dusk, Hawkeye could all of a sudden struggle. What happens if all of a sudden something happens mm-hmm. with with the, this line system? Will they have a line crew come on because there's no lines? What would happen if it you know thing malfunctioned? Interesting. I mean, there have been. Yeah, it's funny. Like a. Yeah, a, a, a complete uh, malfunction situation because there have been minor malfunctions for sure. I mean, like very, very few, but occasionally the the system just goes off, and you know, maybe I, I'm I, talking I think about it's, it's still I think it's still usually human error related where they didn't set the right service box or something like that. But I I would imagine that the, the TA has done their Tennis Australia well, and Craig Talley have done their due diligence and don't expect it for like a half hour period of desk for the thing to go completely off. Um, all right, we'll fire but up. We'll I'm see. excited hopefully, about it. Hopefully that doesn't that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't they might I they, maybe they got some contingency plan in that situation. I, I don't know. Yeah, listen. I'm excited by it. I liked seeing it at the Western and Southern last year. I think it works great. I think it's a good thing to see uh, and I'm just really excited. You know, first ball tomorrow night. We're about 28 hours away, I believe, from first ball. Sleep is overrated and We'll be on from 7 p.m. Sunday night to 7 a.m. So my first graveyard shift, buddy. Uh, yeah, the great the graveyard shift. But no, I yeah, I hope uh, all all the tennis fans listening 
are, are as excited as we are and are going to be pumped post Super Bowl to stay up late for the first night of Australia. Always love coming in, you know, first Grand Slam of the year, even if it's three weeks later and not normal circumstances. It's still Australia, still staying up late, which is I'm I'm pumped for it. By the way, who you got winning the Super Bowl? You know what? I always just, you know, since my Raiders are never in it and our theme is, you know, next year, um, I just hope it's a really good game. I'll just say this. I mean, you, you, can't, if, really, you can't really beat Mahomes, you know, yeah. v. Brady. That's, a, that's the, the, awesome the only way you're going to beat Mahomes is if Tampa's D-line can put the pressure on him like they did against Aaron Rodgers. If they're not putting any pressure on him, and Mahomes is just standing back there, no chance you're, he's going to lose. He's just too good. But, you know, and, and the same could, could be said. You know, you put pressure on Brady, he can make mistakes. But I, I'd say right now that the, the line is pretty accurate because Kansas City, I think, was like 14-1 and one the games Mahomes played, plus two more, 16-1, but they only covered about four or five times. So I do think it's going to be a close game. And I, I think Kansas City will win like 31-27. Yeah, I actually still can't believe that the Raiders were one of only two teams and to beat the Chiefs <laughs> in the last year plus. Uh, yeah, and, and it does. It's always tough with them being in our division, but I, I love I love watching them play. They, they the, the Chiefs remind me a basketball version of of the Warriors a little bit. You know, when when Steph and Clay were first coming on, the way that the, the, the offense just flows so freely. But uh, yeah, I guess you can never you can never count Brady out. That's for sure. Mahomes is a new Splash Brothers member. Yes, and like a Ma- Mahomes to like a like a Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey. Those guys are just weapons. And there's no doubt. I mean, listen, LeBron James, ten NBA Finals. Tom Brady, ten Super Bowls. There's th- those are two of like five or six guys you can put them up on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe maybe the big three of tennis in there too. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Serena. And you know, Ser- then sorry, you throw, and Serena, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you throw in like Usain Bolt and and Phelps. That there, there's about eight right there. Maybe Ronaldo and you know Wayne Gretzky. That you know that maybe is about ten. Steffi, maybe. St- oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll make we'll expand two Rushmores, but. Enjoy the grind, Buck. You too. You too. We'll be we'll be okay. fired up. All right. Okay. okay.